I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Xi, Omicron, Pi, Rho, Sigma, Tau, Upsilon, Phi, Chi, Psi, Omega. It's high noon for Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 167th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. The Democrat Communist Party told you that they'd be happy to sell you that bridge in Brooklyn. And you decided the time was right to buy, buy, buy. The price, of course, was your everlasting moral soul. But who cares? As long as the orange man isn't tweeting anymore, all good. But the thing is, Kami, if you were lucky enough to have realized that in the eight months since, then you may be making yourself redeemable. And I would be remiss not to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. I don't know how you found this podcast. A commie friend told you, whatever you do, don't listen to that podcast. But I'm glad you're here. Because if you can just tolerate about an hour of the sneaking suspicion that your deeply held beliefs are being mocked and ridiculed, you will reach a higher plane. One where you realize that none of your deeply held beliefs are actually deeply held. You're simply repeating a series of slogans because somehow you think that the repetition of these slogans will win you some sort of merit in this world. And that's all that matters. You will impress the people you wish to impress by repeating the slogans. And one day you might profit from repeating the slogans. And so you continue to do it. And truthfully, It's so dangerous to not repeat the slogans and you have shrunk yourself into a weak communist automaton who only exists at the mercy of the culture around you. They can control your fate and will be happy to do so if you fail to repeat the slogans. And rather than taking back control of your own humanity, you choose to continue to play the communist game 
while knowing it's wrong. So come on, Kami, let go of it. Find that strength inside yourself. You probably used to have it, maybe as a child. Return to that. Immigrate back to America and we will all welcome you with open arms. So today I want to focus on some examples of the three things I say at the beginning. Always right. Joe Biden is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Joe Biden is the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history. And Joe Biden is the father of one of the most despicable children to ever walk the earth. Hunter Biden. Luckily, all those things often combine into one beautiful package or in today's case, many beautiful packages. There is a lot of news coming out in the last few days about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's corruption. As I've said before, the Daily Mail has been doing an admirable job of presenting what is on Hunter Biden's laptop and how exactly that exposes and compromises Joe Biden thereby weakening American national security and putting our country in a state of perpetual risk because that's what happens when an illegitimate fake president is pretended by the culture and by the media to be a real president as if the other countries around the world don't know what's going on. So we will start off with the Daily Mail. This is from yesterday, Josh Boswell and Jennifer Smith. Hunter Biden paid Joe's AT&T bill and spent thousands on house repairs for him while he was vice president. New laptop emails claim. Hunter Biden complained that half of his salary went to paying his father's bills while he was vice president, casting doubt on Joe's previous claims that he's never benefited from his son's business dealings. The bill included a $190 a month AT&T phone bill and thousands in repairs on Joe's lakeside home in Wilmington. The payments were described in a 2010 email when Joe was earning $225,000 a year as vice president. He had already made over well over $100,000 a year for decades prior as a senator and author. Now, just a pause. He also made well over $100,000 a year by selling his office. That's how Joe Biden became Joe Biden. It's awfully difficult for a stupid and narcissistic man to rise to power like this without cheating. Smart and narcissistic people rise to power fairly easily because they have the intellectual ability to manipulate situations and the lack of morality required to prevent them from doing so. But stupid and narcissistic people rise to power by getting played by someone else, right? Their narcissism makes them ignore the immorality of situations. They usually have lust for money or sex or power. And so they will follow those motivations, not realizing that they're being played. And that's how you should think of Joe Biden. If you don't believe me, you can go back and read articles about Joe Biden's history. There's a really interesting interview with Biden in an article from 1974 called Death and the All-American Boy, where, of course, Joe Biden talks at long length about the death of his family members, as he does 
in every possible situation. Honestly, he was down in Florida last week talking about the building collapse. And he was discussing how family members just couldn't be at peace without, you know, knowing or not knowing whether or not their family member was alive. And the terror of that situation is easily understandable for most people. And Joe Biden would have actually done himself well to just have mentioned that and expressed his sympathy. But instead, of course, he had to relate it back to himself and the death of his wife in a car accident. Now, this interview takes place in the aftermath of that, and he discusses his sex life with his then deceased wife and talks about Jill Biden's playboy body. Think I'm joking? I'm not. Go read it. Put it on the info stream last week. I can put it up again. Just search the info stream for Biden interview or type in the word Washingtonian, okay? Because that's the publication that republished this old interview. So you can look back at old Biden interviews and understand his low hum intellectual capacity, his narcissism and his unbridled ambition to power. Now, he's from Delaware. Delaware is where a lot of corporations base their headquarters, even if it's just like putting up an office in a mailbox. They want their headquarters based there because they want to take advantage of Delaware's corporate tax laws. So if you become the senator of Delaware, you can imagine that a lot of the work you do is geared toward taking care of those corporations that are only in your state to avoid taxes in a legal manner. And of course, we've discussed at length Joe Biden's history with racism and the fact that he was literally mentored by a Klansman, Robert Byrd, who was a former Grand Klegel and exalted Cyclops of the KKK. That's just a real thing. When he got into politics, he said he wished he had never been in the KKK because, of course, it makes him look bad decades down the line. But he was still happy to filibuster the Civil Rights Act. And 10 years later, he's coaching up young Joe Biden on how to be an effective politician for his people. Also, as we've pointed out numerous times, the whole author thing is a little ridiculous. Okay. Book deals are payoffs. They are money laundering. That's how People like Joe Biden and his son Hunter get a ton of money without anyone questioning it. Hey, is that $3 million book deal corruption? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going to have a bestseller on my hands that the world really wants to read. Hunter Biden got like 2 or $3 million for his book, Beautiful Things, which he didn't write, by the way. It was written by a man named Drew Jubera. And in the first, I think, two weeks of the book being available, he had sold 11,000 copies. All right. He had done the full media circuit. 
He went on the late night shows. He went on 60 Minutes and he sold 11,000 copies. Okay, no one wanted to read Hunter Biden's book, especially not three million dollars worth of people wanting to read his book. Okay, so the business makes no sense. But the publishers, particularly Simon and Schuster, it seems they're always the ones doing it. They hand over two million, three million, four million to these politicians, these political hacks. Mike Pence just got one. Justice Amy Coney Barrett got one. Why are they being paid when no one wants to read their books? Who wants to read a Mike Pence book? At least Hunter's book has sex and drugs in it. <laughs> Why would anyone want to read Mike Pence's book? Ooh, they want to know the, the inside scoop about what happened in the Trump White House. Why? They already leaked out and made up all the stories they could possibly make up about what happened in the Trump White House. Okay, there's no new information yet to come out. They already expended all of the useful ammunition and it got them nowhere. Back to the article. Hunter, according to emails, had to foot a hundred and ninety dollar month AT&T phone bill for his father and pay repairs for his lakeside property in Wilmington, Delaware. I guess they just want to write that twice. At the time, Hunter was working as the interim CEO of Paradigm Global Advisors, and he'd also founded the investment firm Rosemont Seneca Partners. He joined Ukrainian gas company Burisma Holdings on its board in 2014. Joe has always insisted that neither he set up nor benefited from Hunter's international business relationships while he was vice president. But in emails between Hunter and Eric Schwerin, his business partner at Rosemont Seneca in 2010, they discussed how much they needed to spend paying Joe's bills. The subject was JRB bills, which matched Joe's initials and described how $2,600 was to be paid to a contractor for a stone retaining wall at Joe's home, along with $1,475 to be paid to a painter for the back wall and columns of the property and $1,239 to a uh, builder who'd fix the AC at Joe's late mother's home. He rented that house to Secret Service for $2,200 a month. Well, that's interesting. So nice that they have such a close relationship with Secret Service, especially when, you know, Hunter gets in trouble for falsifying uh, gun purchase documents, gun licensing documents. And then his brother's wife throws that gun in a dumpster and then Hunter has to come back and get it and it needs to get covered up so no one hears about it until 2021. Years later, in a text to his own daughter, Hunter, who had by then been battling drug addiction for years, complained, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. It was a text he sent to his daughter Naomi in 2019. Hunter started working for Burisma Holdings, the Ukrainian gas company, in 2014. He earned $83,333 a month from Burisma until two months after Joe left office. Before Joe left office, he was referred to as the big guy and described in an email from a Ukrainian executive at Burisma, which suggested he'd gotten access to him through Hunter. 
it raised serious questions because the executive was also being investigated by a Ukrainian prosecutor who was ousted after Joe leveraged one billion dollars in American aid money to get him out. Man, is that exactly what the Ukrainian impeachment hoax was about? Yeah, it was. Isn't that crazy how when they do something wrong, the way they fix it is by accusing the other side of doing what they did and then calling the real story a conspiracy theory. So everybody knows that the first fake impeachment happened, right? And if you're watching CNN or MSNBC or you're reading the New York Times or the Washington Post, you know, any commie outlet, you would actually have a narrative that you could construct based on almost no factual information that Donald Trump really was guilty of all the things he was being accused of and that any insinuation that it was actually the other side who had done wrong is immediately dismissed as a conspiracy theorist and you will be kicked out of polite conversation. That is the power they used to wield with the media and the CCP and the Democrat Communist Party and big tech altogether. Those days have come to an end and they are losing control of that by the day more and more, which is why they are getting more and more desperate. But again, understand how crazy it is that we were told by all the legacy media people who, by the way, are all employed right next to people from the intelligence community and former military who are their experts on all of this stuff. But really, just how crazy it is that we are told the exact wrong story. And it's a full story. They'll just keep making up new parts of it. It's like a permanent retcon of actual events. Well, we told them this story, and if they find out this new piece of real information, that's going to make this other part of the story wrong. So we better account for that and create an explanation for that, too. Adam Schiff read a fake transcript of a phone call into the congressional record only to then have the real transcript come out. And they still carried on with the impeachment hoax. Again, you just heard in the Daily Mail exactly what Joe and Hunter were doing. And that's what Rudy Giuliani was investigating. That is actual government corruption. That is a vice president of the United States using his son to sell his political office for money while his son was collecting the money and then paying for Joe's stuff. And rather than giving a check over from Hunter to Joe, Hunter just pays for his stuff. You know, like if I owe you 200 bucks and you want a new pair of Jordans, well, I could say, hey, I know you want that pair of Jordans. I'm at the mall. You want me to just get you the shoes and we can sort out the difference later because I owe you 200 bucks. And you say, yeah. That's easy. That's cool. Thank you. Saves me a trip. I'm a size 10 and a half. Perfect. It'll never look like I actually gave you $200. It'll just look like I got you a pair of shoes. 
So Hunter never actually had to give his dad just 50% in one lump sum every month. He just paid for everything. Isn't that great how that works? And then nobody even worries about it. Well, yeah, you know, Hunter's just a working man. He's a proud, professional energy executive. No experience in energy, is a drug addict, and a criminal. And his brain just clearly isn't right. He's also a sex addict who loves hookers. And apparently, yesterday, and I, it wasn't even like something that I felt was worth mentioning because it happens so often. There's just these little crumbs about Hunter and Joe all the time. But Hunter wants to create a prostitute's union so that they can be more professional in their business. (laughs) Hunter's always solving problems for prostitutes, like where their next paycheck is coming from. And amusingly enough, a couple weeks ago, there was a story about a prostitute's payment Coming from Joe's card. Did it really happen? Yeah, it did. Do any communists seem to care about it? Not at all. Why? Oh, because those are just sex workers. And there's nothing wrong with it. And oh, look. There's Joe and Hunter in a picture with Carlos Slim's crew. Richest man in Mexico. I wonder if he has any connections, you know, to uh, drug and human smuggling. Maybe. Would that be worth checking out? Well, no, not till after the election. Right, Twitter? But let's get back to the article. The White House did not respond to requests for comment on Monday morning. Now that is shocking. Joe has in the past denied ever offering access to him or the White House to any of Hunter's business associates. Yes, Joe lies about almost everything. He just told the Dodgers that in a congressional baseball game, In 1974, he hit a ball 368 feet to the center field wall. That's basically the size of a major league home run. And it turns out that there was an article about the congressional baseball game back then. And Joe had a ground out and a strikeout. So almost the same. Schwerin in one of the emails wrote to Hunter. FYI, there are a few outstanding bills that need to be paid, and I am not sure which ones are a priority and which should get paid out of my account and which should be uh, put on hold or paid out of the Wilmington Trust Social Security check account. Oh, that doesn't sound strange at all. There's about 2000 extra in my account beyond what is used for monthly expenses, he said. It's unclear why he put the word my in quotation marks. In another, he said, Mike Christopher is hassling me, so I am paying a couple of the smaller things since I haven't heard from your dad. No, he's busy, so it's okay. But if you think he has a moment or two to review the email I sent you, let me know. So, Joe is aware then that these guys are handling all his bills and expenses. Man, that's so much different than what Joe said about him not knowing any of this. The following month, he said, does it make sense to see if your dad has some time in the next couple of weeks while you are in D.C. to talk about it? Your dad just called me about his mortgage. So it dawned on me it might be a good time for some positive news about his future earnings potential. (laughs) But this is probably all fake. I mean, they are Hunter's real emails on his real laptop. 
But it's all fake news, right? Joe said in the debates, this has been totally discredited. Except it's not discredited. It's not discredited at all. Today, actually, on War Room, a man named Alan Duke appeared. And it was a. am glad they did this segment because it's good to have some people come on there and get exposed to the public, especially when they are, you know, quote unquote, fact checkers. So the problem, though, is that despite the fact that, you know, Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters pretty much called him out very soundly for accepting money directly or indirectly from the Chinese Communist Party to do the job he does, which is to fact check certain things. And of course, his fact checks all slant one way. That part was great. And Alan Duke is exposed as an obvious liar and fraud. But the interview got a bit derailed because Jack Posobiec brought up a tweet that lead stories had fact checked from December. His tweet was on December 11th. The lead stories article was on December 14th. And in Posobiec's tweet, he quoted Joe saying that his son hadn't taken any money from China. And Posobiec said that it was in the first debate. Okay. Turns out that part of the discussion and Joe's quote was from the second debate. Now the interview devolved because I think that Posobiec really thought he was right, that it was in the first debate. And the fact check didn't actually say Posobiec was quoting the wrong debate. It just looked at the transcript of the first debate and said Joe Biden didn't say that. All right. So on a technicality, the fact check was correct, but they fact checked which debate it was in while presenting it as a fact check of whether or not Joe had ever said that obvious lie, right? And so that's one of the tricks that these fact checkers use. They will use semantics or they will use misstatements and then say that the person is lying or incorrect, but they won't describe how the person is incorrect. They could have easily fact checked that and said, you know, Jack Posobiec's actually incorrect. The quote he's referring to happened in the October debate, not the first debate in September. And that would have been a totally accurate and valid fact check. But instead, they intentionally obscured the issue altogether by making it seem as though Biden had never said the thing at all. And the real danger there, of course, is that when they do this fact checking, when they present these fact checks on Facebook, it puts up a warning that the piece of content you're viewing is wrong. Right. So that not only tells you that the information you're viewing is somehow incorrect. And most people, by the way, do not click through and read the fact checks, but it also tears down the reputation of the person making the assertion. Right. Jack Posobiec probably would have been happy to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. It was in the uh, second debate, but he still absolutely said that. I have it here. Here's the audio. This is definitely Joe Biden saying that before the election. He is clearly lying to the American public in a debate. Right. Posobiec's right about that. Wrong about the date. But the fact check obscures the whole thing. It makes you think 
that Posobiec is untrustworthy and that he's telling a lie. And you'll even take the next step in your brain. Well, he's wrong about that. So Joe really probably never said that because, you know, we're told Joe Biden is very honest. And of course, we know that Trump lied 20 zillion times. And then you'll assume the thing that Joe Biden absolutely said is all of a sudden untrue. And that's how these commies manipulate the narrative to create belief in their audience, right? That's what they're doing, okay? They don't care about being fact-checked seven months later and exposed as liars like Alan Duke was today. That doesn't matter to them. The effect is already there. Alan Duke is already getting paid. In the years after he left office as vice president, Joe and Jill Biden made millions through book deals and speaking engagements, but much of the money flowed through companies which allowed them to circumvent tax bills. Isn't that amazing? In 2017 alone, the couple declared $11.1 million in earnings, more than double what they had made in any other year for 18 years prior. Joe has always insisted the money was earned above board. In a 2018 email to one of his own assistants, Hunter complained that he had been shut out of his own bank account and that his father had been using it. Too many cooks in the kitchen, too many profile changes and such happened 10 days ago too. My dad has been using most lines on this account, which I've through the gracious offerings of Eric have paid for past 11 years. Hunter is not a very coherent writer, as you might imagine. I'm doing my best with this. And of course, the Daily Mail always has typographical errors, which I just have to cover on the fly. So understand what I'm dealing with here. Hunter wrote in his memoir, Beautiful Things, how he had slipped into drug and alcohol addiction while working in these business roles. Isn't that amazing? He just has this wonderful excuse about how he's not really responsible for any of his behaviors and neither is his dad because it was Hunter doing it the whole time. Isn't it incredible? Their story is just nicely wrapped up in a little bow. And so long as you don't try to pull on the bow, the whole thing is just going to stay packed together. Thank goodness we don't have a media who's interested in pulling on anyone's bows, at least not if they're in the Democrat Communist Party or Romney's. You know, let's be honest. They haven't gone after the Romney's too well either. In fact, you would think that if the Democrats wanted to be politically ruthless, why wouldn't they be taking the scalps of the Republicans that all of us want to see go down, right? Doug Ducey in Arizona, Brian Kemp in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger. We'll take <laughs> Mitch McConnell. I mean, listen, I'm a hardliner. I will take absolutely anyone who didn't object to the fraudulent election. And that includes people like Tom Cotton, who I would otherwise be inclined to like, and maybe even Rand Paul. But I kind of have a little bit more leeway in the way I judge him. I want to see how that plays out. But they all knew. They all benefit from this stuff. Why don't the Democrats go after them? They're weak in on the MAGA side. This would be a great time to take them out of power, wouldn't it? Oh, wait. That's because we have a uniparty. And they're all working together for a common goal. So it doesn't really matter if they have a D in front of their name or an R in front of their name. The media's job is to protect them because they are part of the greater agenda.
And no matter what, you can't allow election fraud to be fully exposed. Well, bad plan, commies. You lost again. But let's jump over to the uh, electionways.com. Exposed Biden Center received $54 million from China after launch of presidential bid. More questions are being raised about a secretive China-funded globalist center at the University of Pennsylvania after Joe Biden nominated the university's president to be the next U.S. ambassador to Germany. Earlier this week, Joe Biden announced Amy Gutman as his pick to serve as German ambassador. Gutman is currently the president of uh, University of Pennsylvania. But the nomination has brought renewed attention to the relationship between UPenn's Biden Center and Chinese cash. Between 2013 and last year, UPenn allegedly received tens of millions in undisclosed donations from communist China, according to National Legal and Policy Center, a conservative-leaning public ethics group. And the dollar totals dramatically increased after the school opened its Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Since 2017 alone, when the Biden Center opened and after Joe Biden announced he was running for president in April 2018, the university received over 70 million dollars from China, of which 22 million were listed as anonymous NLPC reports. The complaint charges that in 2017, out of a total of seven point seven million dollars in donations from China, five hundred thousand came from anonymous donors. Moreover, after Biden launched his campaign in 2018, the total jumped to twenty seven point one million with anonymous donors giving $15.8 million. And in 2019, Chinese donors gave a whopping $26.9 million to the center, $6 million anonymously. Federal law requires the disclosure of the source of all donations over $250,000. In an ethics complaint filed last year, NLPC alleges the Biden Center failed to properly disclose the source of its massive Chinese funding. The complaint also notes that the Biden Center co-sponsored the 2020 Penn China Research Symposium on January 31st, 2020. That included opening remarks by Ambassador Huang Ping, Consul General of the People's Republic of China in New York, amid the cover-up by China of the pandemic of the coronavirus that originated in Wuhan, China. The University of Pennsylvania has stonewalled all inquiries into the identities of the Chinese donors who made $22 million in anonymous donations to the university, NLPC Chairman Peter Flaherty told Fox News on Saturday. We think it's time for Dr. Gutman to answer the question and identify the donors. Academia is awash in Chinese cash, Flaherty said. It's time for administrators to start answering questions about it. Yeah, that would be really great. I would love to hear what Joe Biden's answers are about why the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania has received tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party, and we don't know where it's from, and we don't know where it went. With Joe Biden's history, you gotta think a big chunk of that is going to the big guy. And let's take a second and look back at what we were told about how Donald Trump was corrupt, right? He had had dealings about real estate and hotels in Russia, right? That's one of the big things we're told. Donald Trump was a private businessman who builds hotels. Can you build hotels internationally? Is it okay to do business internationally? Oh, it is? Then what's the problem? All of the tech companies do business internationally. Nike CEO said like a week or so ago 
that Nike is a company of China and for China. (laughs) That's like FUBU. Remember that? For us, by us. Nike's a Chinese company, basically. The NBA, Chinese company. Our big tech firms might as well be Chinese. All of these companies might as well be Chinese. So they do business over there. That's no problem. Why? Because they're private businessmen. Remember, Donald Trump does foreign business. Ooh, that's corruption. And of course, Donald Trump was also violating the emoluments clause by keeping his hotels open and then using them for people to stay there. Donald Trump's hotels are nice. If you've never been to one, go ahead and check one out. I've been to Trump Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. It's nice. Got a great burger, by the way. But what Donald Trump never was, was a part of this system. This system that holds on to political power for decades. And in return, you facilitate corrupt dealings all over the world. The idea that Joe Biden has ever been in office to represent his constituents is insulting to any adult's intelligence. Joe Biden is in office to create wealth and power for himself and to facilitate the corrupt dealings of powerful people across the world. Joe Biden is fully compromised by all of these people. It would be bad enough If the only relationship was the business relationship and all of Joe Biden's shady business dealings came out. But that's not enough, is it? Because all of that has been has been happening. This stuff is known, right? The media doesn't care. His voters don't care. When it's called out, the big tech companies will stop it. So Joe Biden's corrupt business dealings just don't matter anymore, do they? This is how we get entrenched power in our politics, entrenched corrupt power. Because the people coming up under these corrupt politicians will be compromised by these these corrupt politicians. A lot of the times they're even compromised in the universities. This is what they call elite capture. And it's not just Joe and Hunter. It's also Joe's brothers. But who cares, right? It's all a conspiracy theory. So to give you more of the conspiracy theory, let's go to Natalie Winters today in the National Pulse. A Chinese spy recruitment scholar is now running Joe Biden's NSA personnel department. Wait a second. The NSA, isn't that part of our intelligence apparatus? Thomas Zimmerman, a special assistant to Joe Biden on National Security Agency personnel, formerly served as a visiting scholar at a Chinese Communist Party think tank labeled as a front group for Chinese intelligence collection and overseas spy recruitment by the FBI. What? I'm going to read that again. The FBI has labeled a Chinese Communist Party think tank as a front group 
for the Chinese intelligence collection and overseas spy recruitment. Got it? So that's what the think tank is, according to the FBI. Now, Thomas Zimmerman, who Biden nominated to be a special assistant on NSA personnel, was a visiting scholar at that think tank. The Chinese think tank wants to recruit overseas spies and our special assistant to the fake president on National Security Agency personnel was a visiting scholar. Is that clear? I know that this is like, there. there's like five steps there, five things to understand. And I'm not trying to uh, be patronizing or anything like that. But like, I had to read it a couple times. I was like, wait, 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 what? What? The guy who is in charge of recruiting NSA personnel was also working with the CCP's think tank whose responsibility is recruiting CCP spies. So the guys that's recruiting our spies also recruits them for the CCP. I wonder if he's recruiting the same people for both roles. The stunning revelation that Joe Biden's intelligence apparatus relies on the recruitment from a recent collaborator with the Chinese Communist Party comes just weeks after the G7 summit, where Western nations pledged tougher measures against an increasingly aggressive Beijing. Zimmerman's influence over the National Security Agency also follows explosive allegations from Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Carlson recently claimed the agency has covertly accessed his emails and texts. The NSA did not outright deny the allegations. And that's correct. They did not deny the allegations. They talked around the allegations. They probably had Alan Duke come in to fact check Tucker's allegation and then just ran with whatever he said. While working at New York University's Center on International Cooperation, Zimmerman doubled as a fellow at the Shanghai Academy of Social Sciences. SASS has been flagged by the Federal Bureau of Investigation for its close ties to the Chinese Communist Party's top spy agency, the Ministry of State Security. SASS, which the FBI explicitly labels a front group for Chinese intelligence collection and overseas spy recruitment, was a key player in a 2019 criminal case involving a retired CIA operative selling classified U.S. defense documents to the Chinese Communist Party. The American operative, Kevin Mallory, was contacted by SASS officials via LinkedIn to begin the relationship that culminated in a 20-year prison sentence for Mallory. As a result, the FBI has described the Chinese Communist Party as dependent upon SASS employees to serve as, quote, spotters and assessors, end quote, of potential Western spies. Ministry of State Security officers described by the FBI as keen on, quote, influencing the foreign policy of other countries, end quote, have also used, quote, SASS affiliation as cover identities, end quote. The Biden White House's budget report, which details the salaries of executive office of the president employees, reveals that Zimmerman is serving as a special assistant to the president on National Security Agency personnel with a yearly salary of $110,000. During the transition, Zimmerman served as deputy lead for national security personnel. He also hosted an academic salon alongside Chinese Communist Party advisor Li Lifan on, quote, 
topics concerning counterterrorism in Afghanistan and Pakistan, security issues in Central Asia, the U.S. perspective on the One Belt, One Road initiative and security issues in South Asia, end quote, at the Shanghai Institute of American Studies. Okay, so what about this is complicated? Joe Biden right now has a special assistant being paid $110,000 in American taxpayer money to advise on national security agency personnel and has an intimate relationship with the Chinese Communist Party and not just the CCP, the part of the CCP that is looking to create counterintelligence agents in other countries to affect the policy of other countries. That is what it looks like to have a fake president who is fully compromised by the CCP. But is that the only problem here? Of course not. Let's go to Natalie Winters from July 4th in the National Pulse. U.S. Supreme Court justices and federal judges double as visiting professors at top Chinese spy college. Nothing wrong with that, probably, right? Several U.S. federal judges, including Supreme Court justices, have served as visiting professors at the Chinese Communist Party-run Peking University, the National Pulse can reveal. The efforts were funded by Chinese influence groups seeking to coerce, quote, foreign actors to take actions or adopt positions supportive of the Chinese government's preferred policies. The Beijing-based university, headed by a former Chinese Communist Party spy agency leader has seen its American graduates questioned by the Federal Bureau of Investigation over fears of students getting, quote, co-opted by Chinese espionage efforts. Financial supporters of Peking University's School of Transnational Law also include Thomson Reuters and the China United States Exchange Foundation, CUSEF. We've talked about that before. The leading influence group in the Chinese Communist Party's United Front propaganda outfit. According to the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission, the United Front seeks to, quote, neutralize sources of potential opposition to the policies and authority of its ruling Chinese Communist Party, end quote, and, quote, influence foreign governments and other actors to take actions or adopt positions supportive of Beijing's preferred policies, end quote. Despite these troubling ties, judges from various U.S. courts, including the Supreme Court and Court of Appeals, have doubled as faculty and guest lecturers while serving on the bench. Former judges from the CCP's Supreme People's Court are also on the school's faculty. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito spent a week in residence at the university in 2016 with a summary revealing that he, quote, expressed thanks for the warm reception of Peking University and law school and expressed great pleasure to visit China, end quote. And I would imagine that if he was asked about this, he would say that he was just trying to bring the glories of American law to the CCP because that always works, right? We do what the CCP wants and then they become more like us. Oh, wait, that never happens. We become the Chinese Communist Party. Got it. Fellow Justice Anthony Kennedy delivered the keynote address for the school's opening in 2008 alongside uh, Tung Chi Hua, the founder of CUSEF and vice chairman of the, quote, highest ranking entity overseeing China's united front. Led by China's former Minister of Justice, Zhao Yu, Hong Kong's former chief executive, Tung Chi Hua, and Chief Justice Andrew 
K.N. Lee of the Hong Kong Court of Final Appeal, a group of leading jurists, lawyers and legal scholars from around the world will be gathering in Shenzhen on October 22nd, 2008, to mark the dedication of the Peking University School of Transnational Law. The day's keynote address will be delivered by United States Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. The National Pulse can also reveal that Senior Circuit Judge and Chief Judge Emeritus of the D.C. Court of Appeals, Harry Edwards, Circuit Judge of the Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, William Fletcher, and Chief Circuit Judge of the Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, D. Brooks Smith, have served as visiting lecturers at the school. Democrat Congresswoman Judy Chu is also listed as one of Peking's distinguished visitors. Judge Russell Kanan, an associate judge at the Superior Court of D.C., is also a current visiting professor at Peking's School of Transnational Law. Judge Frederick Weisberg simultaneously teaches at Peking University's STL while serving as an associate judge on the D.C. Superior Court. Judge Robert Morin, who was promoted by former President Barack Obama to become the chief judge of the D.C. Superior Court before retiring, was a visiting professor at Peking University's STL in 2012. Morin adjudicated cases in 2018 relating to anti-Donald Trump inaugural protesters, questioning the validity of Project Veritas videos as evidence, which led to prosecutors having to drop a number of charges against the rioters. Wednesday's hearing got even worse for the government after prosecutors announced they would drop seven cases and dismiss several charges against three other remaining defendants. D.C. Superior Court Chief Judge Robert Morin said prosecutors erred by failing to disclose the existence of the additional Project Veritas videos to the defense and to the judge. Morin questioned whether the lead prosecutor, Assistant U.S. Attorney Jennifer Kirkhoff, gave him false information, noting that she had told him earlier at an earlier hearing that there was one video, a BuzzFeed report summarized. Gerald Fisher, another D.C. Associate Justice, previously served as a visiting distinguished jurist at Peking University's STL in 2012 and 2014. The news lends further to the theory that a great many high-profile U.S. political figures have already been the subjects of intense propaganda efforts by the Chinese Communist Party, a phenomenon known as elite capture. And it's always important to remember that right now the CCP has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. They have already aggressively taken over Hong Kong and are looking to do the same with Taiwan. They are threatening the entire world in countless ways. They used a pandemic created partially with U.S. taxpayer dollars to destroy the American economy and create a narrative by which anyone would possibly believe that Joe Biden actually won the 2020 election. And they used the pandemic to put all the processes in place to enhance that narrative, like universal mail-in in voting, which they did in all sorts of places. This is all the CCP is doing, okay? This is not a conspiracy theory. It is a fact that China has slowly taken over our entire society intentionally because there are all sorts of people in America who are either committed in principle communists or such ambitious narcissists that they are happy to do the bidding 
of that sort of regime so long as it enhances their money or their power. And there are few places where that is more apparent than in our academy, especially in our public health and science fields, where they would do gain-of-function research with the Chinese Communist Party in a lab overseen by the People's Liberation Army. All of that is real. The fact that that can happen is a terrible black mark on the United States of America. And the way it can happen is by continuing to allow leaders like Joe Biden to stay in office. And that's why what's happening right now is so important, because this stuff needs to be brought to an end. And the most likely way to do that starts with exposing the fraud of the November 3rd, 2020 election. Now, I just want to touch on a couple of quick things before we go. And for the first, let's hear from Jen Psaki. We haven't done that in a while. More healthcare settings and respond to hotspots. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community by community door to door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Two, a renewed emphasis on getting the vaccines to more primary care doctors and physicians, something that we've seen. Now, we talked last week about their Delta variant response force, right? Response teams, whatever they call them. They're rolling out these teams all across the country with a whole lot of money behind them to propagandize Americans into getting the vaccine and now apparently to go door to door to try to vaccinate more people. Now, are they going to do this all across the country? I really doubt it. Where will they do this? Well, they'll probably go right into poor neighborhoods that are governed by Democrats and figure out one way or another to get some shots in some arms. And in the Democrats' twisted logic, this is actually a really good thing, right? Because all of these people in these poor communities, we are told, are black and brown. And this vaccine is very life-saving and very effective and very not dangerous at all even though it is not very effective and it is dangerous. But if you are a communist, then you believe their story. This vaccine is the most helpful thing in the world. The most patriotic thing you can do is get the vaccine. So what a joy it would be. What a great charity upon the world, upon the poor of the world, the marginalized, the voiceless. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just seek out the voiceless, and the marginalized, and get some shots in their arms. That would just be like charity. We're such good people. That's what we should do. Let's go out and force the blacks and the browns to give us their arms so we can save their lives. That's all we're trying to do is just save their lives. Don't mistake this for a charity. This is what they are doing. They are taking an experimental gene therapy that will not be approved by the FDA for at least 18 more months. And they are going around 
and trying to put it in people's arms. And I wonder if they'll be bribed to do that. What is the benefit for these people? The vaccine is everywhere. They can go get it if they like. But they're not. Why aren't they? Oh, it's probably because they don't want it. So what does Joe Biden's fake administration decide to do? Show up at their doorstep. And that's got to be good, right? Well, now we're hearing that there is a Lambda variant because the Delta variant, that didn't scare enough people. They're not convinced yet. But the Lambda variant might even be able to blast right through your vaccine. So it's extra scary. Now we all need to stay inside again. We all need to mask up again, right? Because the Lambda variant is on the loose. And guess where it's from? South America. Ooh, one of those scary places that we don't know anything about. We do know that there's brown people and they probably all live in the wild. This is what we're being convinced to believe. There is another variant of COVID-19 And this is going to be the one that gets us. This is the exact cycle they played with the Delta variant. Oh, there's a lot of variants. You know, we haven't, we don't have too much data. (laughs) We don't have too much data on how this new variant reacts to the vaccine. So until we have the same data that we have about all the other variants in the vaccines, we got to assume the scariest possible scenario and everybody needs to stay home. And if you don't stay home on your own, we're just going to make it impossible for you to leave. We'll multiply the price of Ubers times four. We'll tell you you can't use your electric cars because we have, you know, not enough electricity now. And we'll set the conditions for the gas prices to be raised through the roof. And we'll tell you it's Trump's fault. But the thing is, you got to stay home. And finally, yesterday on War Room, Attorney Matthew DiPerno, who's been handling the election fraud case, Bill Bailey's case in Antrim County, Michigan, reported that there was evidence of a hack into the election in Arizona on November 3rd and elsewhere, by the way, but that Katie Hobbs and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors knew this and actually sent letters out to voters to let them know their information may have been compromised somehow. They still repeated the lie that this was the most secure election in history, and they still repeat it now. So Mark Fincham, who you may or may not be familiar with, is running for Secretary of State in Arizona. Katie Hobbs, of course, is going to move on to run for governor, which is the sort of reward you might expect when an incompetent communist still has to go out on television and lie every day, exposing herself constantly. They make a deal. Hey, you know what? If I'm going to keep doing this, you got to make me the next governor. So Katie Hobbs is running for governor. Will anyone vote for her? No, of course not. Trustworthiness, honesty, and integrity are three virtuous qualities that voters have a right to expect of their elected officials. In all three of these qualities, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs has failed miserably. From calling supporters of the opposition party neo-Nazis to the reports of her silence about the hack of Arizona's voter registration database, she has failed to demonstrate the basic virtues of the servant-to-all position in state government she holds. 
While I have pursued and promoted the objective of showing that our elections have been or have not been fraud free and fair, Miss Hobbs has continued to attack and vilify the process that she refused to participate in and the people who are most qualified to examine the system. It is the same tired and threadbare tactic of the privileged political class. If you don't like the message, destroy the messenger. That won't fly anymore because the people's eyes are wide open now. I urge all those with information about election regularities, irregularities, to come forward with their sworn and notarized affidavits. There will be no better time than now. And good for Mark Fincham. And I will close with Donald Trump addressing the same subject. He just released this statement. Election reform must happen in swing states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Arizona, where voters have lost confidence in their electoral process. The Secretary of State in Pennsylvania allowed 21,000 deceased registrants, dead people, to remain on the voter rolls for the 2020 presidential election, a total disgrace. Republicans in state legislatures must be smart, get tough, and pass real election reform in order to fight back against these radical left Democrats. If they don't, they'll steal it again in 2022 and 2024 and further destroy our country. And, of course, he's exactly right. Now, it's interesting that he mentioned Pennsylvania here, and it's interesting that he mentioned the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia at his rally. The Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, Catherine Bookvar, actually stepped down at the beginning of February, or maybe the end of January, and the story was that she had failed to advertise an amendment to the state's constitution. But this happened right as election stuff was the main conversation already. And the list of problems in Pennsylvania's election is as long as it is anywhere. It really is incredible what they do in Pennsylvania. And, you know, we're going to eventually find all of this out. But the secretary of state in Pennsylvania was right on board with all this voter fraud right on board with changing the ways that people were going to be able to vote in the election. This whole thing is corrupt to its core. And I want to see if we're going to start getting some Pennsylvania news. It seems to me like Trump mentioning it multiple times is probably happening for a reason. But as always, we will see. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Mastin lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 
Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!